Well, hello and welcome to the Hawkesbury Gazette podcast for August 1, 2018. I'm Christina Pollard. And because it's horse's birthday today, I'm very happy to welcome our guest, Greg Rudolph, who's the CEO of Hawkesbury Race Club. Greg, welcome. Thank you, Christina. Thanks for having us. Oh, no worries. Now, the Race Club is such an icon of the area. It's smack bang between our two major towns. Everybody knows it. it it's just, it's, it's the place to go. Tell us a little bit about its history, because I think there's a lot of us around who, you know, we, we know it's there, but we don't really know much about it. Yeah, well, look, it, it, it is arguably uh, the oldest race club in, in New South Wales and, in fact, Australia, because when wow. racing started around Hyde Park in Sydney in 1810, uh, it wasn't long after, in fact, 1829, that this, when the early settlers farmed out towards Windsor, Windsor and Richmond, a race club was formed in uh, in Windsor. So the first racetrack was closer to Windsor. Wow. And then, Do you know exactly where that was? Or? Oh, look, it was it was sort of in, in uh, South... Windsor, that, wow. that part of South Windsor, but um, as the race club f- formed in, into a committee, that didn't happen until 1871. But the the race club or racing in its infancy in the area was was actually in in the 1820s or late 1820s. So, you know uh, that that was formed before the Australian Jockey Club. Jeez. So the Hawkesbury Race Club is, is you know arguably the oldest race club in Australia, and there is a lot of history. You're right. It's um, you know it's a, it's a very historic area and it's a very st- historic part of uh, of the Hawkesbury region well it's and and like I say it's it's so iconic it's it's you know it's we've all grown up there those of us who have sort of grown up around the area we've grown up with it so yeah it's it's really does it, it you know identify the area as, as as a big horse industry as well I guess and it does and and you know further to that uh, there the, there are were and still are breeding areas around Hawkesbury um, more so hobby farms now the, the majority of commercial farms are in the Hunter Valley but you know um, a lot of equine uh, activity around the area with with harness racing as well and and with a harness racing track not related to the course but one over the back of the course um, and, and of course, you know, the, the showgrounds across the lo- road do a lot of dressage. And in fact, uh, up until about the 1980s, there was a harness racing inside of Hawkesbury Racetrack. Wow. So we've, we've had everything, Horsey. We have everything. We've got it all covered. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> I think you'd find, uh, you know, show jumping and, uh, you know, dressage and Absolutely. of course polo down the road at Richmond. That's so, right. Yeah, very much a, an equine precinct. Hugely. And tell us a little bit about yourself. When did you come on board and, and what's your background? So I, I came on board in May 2016, so a little over two years ago now. And, and uh, my background... Um, or starting right from scratch I was originally from Queensland and, and grew up in a racing family my parents bred horses in southeast Queensland and raced them predominantly in Brisbane and uh, Toowoomba and, and Rockhampton that that um, that area my father was a, a doctor and uh, his his interests sort of diversified into into breeding race horses which became a side business for him um, so yeah, that, that's how it started. I went to Queensland Uni and did economics and didn't really want to work in a bank. And, uh, <laughs> it's very different from a bank. It was a really bad, um, <laughs> race caller for, for a trial period. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I gave, I gave that a miss and, and, uh, started in, in, in the early nineties in Queensland as a cadet steward. And, um, my background has, has pretty well been in the, in the race, in the regulatory and integrity side for, for most of my 25 years in, in the industry mm. uh, in a formal sense. But um, 
Uh, I, I moved down to Sydney in the year 2000, just before the Olympics, and had an opportunity to get onto the Sydney Stewards Panel um, under the Thoroughbred Racing Board and under the guidance of, of Ray Murray, who was Chief Steward in New South Wales for uh, 25 years. And, um, you know, that, that's probably a, a record that, uh, you know, won't be broken for a long time. Mm, but, absolutely. Uh, I was his deputy for mm. for uh, about 15 years from about 2002 and, and had a few years at Racing New South Wales in a in a management role with their commercial and racing operations. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, a little, a little bit of diversity into uh, the commercial side of it, which very much is what I'm doing now as CEO of the race club. But uh, for most of that time it was, uh, you know, administering the rules and and, well, uh, you've got to know your some, rules in racing, don't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, having some uh, interesting um, inquiries along the way and investigations, uh, you know, throughout throughout that um, fifteen odd years as uh, it, with the stewards panel. Mm, absolutely. What yeah. a, and and I suppose now with your with your new role, are you enjoying it? Oh, look, I, I love it. It's it's such a good um, diversification. And and the thing about the race club, it's not just racing. It's our core business, but as uh, Going back to your original point, it, it's a venue which caters for a lot of um, a lot of the districts' uh, events and and uh, you know social gatherings outside of racing. So we have you know non-racing business as well of of weddings and functions and uh, and and obviously we actually were lucky enough to go to the pink tie ball ball yeah, this year, was, which is spectacular. Yes, and and you know a really good charity focus mm. uh, for what we we do with the community, which is something that we we pride ourselves in and, and also um, having the added advantage of a, a motel which has um, you know been there since 2006 which is a, a very good um, venue for the for the district for accommodation and supports you know quite a lot of um, commercial operations and and with the RAF base as you indicated across the road you know they're mm. a good clientele and traveling uh, salespeople and trades people and, and so on that are getting busier and busier in this area of, of Sydney. It's Absolutely, and race so. goes who, you know, need to yes, well, say had a few and you need to sort of stay the night. That's and, it. Yeah, it, it must uh, be handy. It is handy and, mm. and you know, we, we do get the odd uh, interstate owner who, who mm. can utilise um, uh, that part of the, the business as well and it, it's a good business in its own right, the motel. Fantastic. So it's, I mean, so we know that it's not just a destination for race goers but supports you know, a number of local trainers who in turn employ people from the area. Are there any estimates as to how much the club contributes to the local economy in terms of, you know, visitors itself on race days or visitors as a hotel and, and you know, industry employment for the area? I mean, this this is a big, a big employment generator in the middle of our area. It is. Um, you know, throughout the industry, it's generally regarded in New South Wales as, as probably employing in racing alone, fifty thousand odd odd participants. So, just this, um, just this. No, one. just in, in New South Wales alone. Oh, sure. So the racing industry is, is a large industry, but um, you know, narrowing it down is, is difficult. But it mm. would be fair to say that we, we are a multi-million-dollar organisation in terms of our turnover, our our operating costs, and our uh, income and expenses are in the multi-millions just in the race club. So. Mm. Expanding that out, um, you know, for example, we've just built a $4 million uh, training track. Um, so that employs contractors in the area. Mm. We uh, have electricians, plumbers, painters, carpenters, uh, maintenance people who look after the race club outside of the um, 
you know, the, the employment, as, as you indicated, Christina, of trainers, jockeys, track riders, barrier attendants, uh, track mm. staff, float drivers, farriers. So, look, it, it's into the multi-millions. It's hard to put a definitive figure on it because, um, uh, you know, they, our, our core participants from the industry travel throughout New South Wales and interstate. Mm. So at any time of the year, you know, they're, they're generating, um, you know, I guess they're, they're generating um, viable economic uh, benefits for other parts of the region mm. outside of the Hawkesbury as well. Suffice to say, it's it's a pretty big boost for the area. Oh, it is. Mm. You know, look, we would be, within the race club ourselves, we'd be one of the major employers of in the region. Oh, for um, sure. Outside of, I guess, you know, you're looking at areas like the, the Hawkesbury City Council and, mm. and some government departments and... Uh, some some of the bigger businesses uh, in town that uh, or government contractors who, who work out in the region, but certainly mm. Hawkesbury Race Club would would be up in that area. So you mentioned while we were just chatting there about the the uh, new track that you've installed. So the the poly track, um, as as it's sort of been called. Uh, just to explain to us what is a poly poly track and what are the benefits to the club. You know, there's a, there's there's been a lot of buzz about it. Um, and why is it important to have? Well, it's a good question. A poly track is a synthetic all-weather track uh, with a sand base. So um, it, it's not a grass track. It, poly track is a, um, is, is a company in itself. Um, it's a brand of a company that designs synthetic tracks or non-turf tracks around the world. So what it is is a, a, a sand base with a, a wax polymer around it. Um, with some some other cushioning ingredients to favour horses' legs. So the benefit of it is that, firstly, um, it can be worked on in, in any amount of, of rain. Uh, unfortunately, we, we don't have... So it's got drainage so that you yeah, can... Yeah, massive drainage, mm. you know, up to, uh, you know, torrential proportions. Wow. We, we Unfortunately, a, a bit... Uh, a little bit dry at the that, moment, yeah. <laughs> at the moment, so we haven't tested it. But... Um, it's been down since the 6th of June and operational since the start of June. So we're in its, um, you know, eight or ninth week and very good feedback in terms of how it is beneficial to horses' joints, how there's a, uh, uh, hopefully a lack of, of horses breaking down and getting injured on it. Mm -hmm. So the benefits will be in terms of, um, uh, you know, retaining horses' um, uh, longevity in, in work and and obviously in, in racing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so just to just to clarify, you don't race on this though. No, we we, we train on it, and uh, we have what what are called jump outs, which are educational, uh, you know, pre barrier trial experience or pre race experience for horses. Because what that does is uh, allows them to to go through the barriers, uh, jump out, get get fit, get a, get an experience of going around a corner and so on. Um, it's seven metres wide, so it, it was, wasn't economically viable to uh, uh, to widen it to be a racing surface. And, and at the moment, you know, New South Wales, we um, continue to race on turf as our preferred um, surface, as opposed to, uh, uh, say, Victoria and Queensland, who have experimented with, with some, some artificial type uh, tracks. But at the moment, uh, the New South Wales racing industry is content to... Uh, to have these as training tracks and then, you know, we, we have the uh, turf as our preferred racing surface. And how long did the project take? I mean, I can imagine it, it goes around the outside of the track proper, doesn't it? And so it's it's actually, it, it obviously involve a lot of 
digging, a lot of planning, a lot of yeah. you know physical work. <clears throat> How long did the whole project take? Yeah, look, it, it, it's it's in between our two grass, our main two grass, our turf tracks. So mm-hmm. it's just to the inside of the the actual racetrack. Um, but look, it's been, I suppose, the actual concept has been ten years in the in the planning. Uh, now, having said that, what what that uh, and the previous CEO and administration had to go through a number of um, proposals in terms of what would be the best surface to have as an alternative turf venue in terms of maintenance, cost, um, suitability to the climate here, which has harsh winters, cold mm. winters and, and very hot Frosts summers. And, yeah, yeah frosts right. and, and, you know, yeah. heat waves in summer. So um, we're quite pleased with the way it's performed through, through winter, but um, through the frost, but having... Getting back to your original question, uh, it, it had been the focus of my, um, I suppose, you know, one of my first to-do jobs was to to get this up and running since May 2016. And look, the, the planning was in place that this would be the track, the poly track, so we didn't have to do a lot of the um, you know, legwork in terms of going back and saying, well, what are we going to put here? We knew it was poly track, just a matter of getting those guys engaged. It's imported material getting all our surveys done, uh, getting the drainage aspect right, mm. which was, was very good that we um, spent a lot of time in, in doing that, um, spending quite a, a deal of money on making sure the plastic rails were, were you know, the right type and safe and, and so mm. on for the for the job and that the track will have some longevity for the club. You know, we want it there to be, uh, to be there for 20-odd for years before we have to play around with replacing it. Wow. So, um, look... To, to actual build, I think we probably um, closed down the track in December of last year, the old sand track, and ripped it up, and we opened it on June 6th. So it was a relatively quick process, although trainers would probably <laughs> disagree with me. But, you know, to build it in seven months from, um, from you know, scraping from back the sand mm. track and, and mm. pulling down old aluminium rails and, and uh, installing a, a basically a brand-new track took a seven-month process and and yeah the feedback working. obviously you said had been good since yeah really really positive and uh you know it was always going to be a, a test as to how we get through the first um 12 months of of you know really complementing seasons of a cold winter and a, a hot summer so we've still got to cross our fingers for summer that um that doesn't uh you know underperform but mm. we're confident that we've got the right mix to uh to do that and the right instructions from Polytrack to, uh, you know, to maintain it. And, and they've been very, um, very hands-on and, and very beneficial in their, in their maintenance program. And are there any more plans for improvements um, around the place, maybe for trainers that use the course, for example, wet weather facilities, anything along those lines? Yeah, look, absolutely. We're, we're currently uh, working with the council. We've got a DA in for uh, 50 stables on course. So that's not something that the club's ever had uh, before or offered to uh, to trainers, but and what would the, what would those stables be used for? Well, they, they'd uh, offer the opportunity for uh, other trainers or existing trainers who have um, stables, say outside the course or all of all of the course stables, are, um, private uh, enterprises in terms of being owned by um, uh, you know owned by the, the trainers or owners who who put their uh, horses in the local area but there are none actually on course where trainers can train out of the actual race course itself at at Clarendon so um, that's our next project we hope to to kick that off 
before uh, Christmas and, and we're in the you know site planning stage and, and getting our uh, ducks in a row for council and uh, you know that that will be the next thing into early 2019 that's completed that's pretty and, exciting and then we you know hopefully fill those and uh, that that allows a um, an opportunity for either a local trainer to to come on course or you know perhaps a, a Sydney established trainer to have a a separate uh, metropolitan separate base to their metropolitan base mm. so they have a base at Hawkesbury which is pretty accessible to most of the tracks now in Sydney absolutely or um, you know even if there was a, a country trainer who wanted to uh, uh, utilize a, an area that's a bit closer to town mm. um, that that that's the next project for the club and and uh, you know some other uh, internal projects as well great mm. so tell us then about a typical morning um at the club it's it's an early start for all those involved in the industry what time do things generally get started at the track and how many horses and riders usually go out on course it, it, it paid us a bit of a picture of a typical morning look i i, I tell my my staff that um you know hawkesbury the the, the race club is really almost a 24-hour venue because we uh, for example, might might on a Friday night hold a uh, a wedding or a or a function which might shut up at around um, midnight by the time we uh, close up and and have all our guests depart. But our track manager usually is up around two thirty in the morning to uh, to wow. check the track and yeah. look. It's important that that process is undertaken. It's um you know they're unsociable hours and they're they're uh, it's really a labour of love because uh, it's, it's not something that you can really adjust to when you're not working those hours to, to fathom that that's someone's job to get up and do that. But at the moment, you know, like it has to be checked for foxes, for kangaroos, for, um, you know... So what does he do, sort of overnight. chase them away or something? Oh, look, he'll, he'll go around in a, in a buggy and, and make yeah. sure that each of the training tracks are, are safe for the first horses to work sure. on. Um, I mean, we have lights, but there are always going to be areas of the track that, um, trainers still have to, to work in the dark uh, starting at 3.30 in the morning when mm. our training track's open. So, um, you know, to answer your question, there, there could be anything up to 200 horses work during the course of a, a, a fast morning. Wow. And, uh, you know, for example, um, just during the week, we probably had 100 on our poly track uh, alone. So there's also sand and grass tracks that are open. Mm-hmm. Um that that's a typical work morning, so it's it's on from three thirty in the morning through to about eight thirty, and people ask why, Christina, do you work those ridiculous hours? That was and going to be my next question. Yeah, it's it's look, it's a it's a multi pronged answer in terms of, um, uh, well, you know, in summer the the heat of the day. Mm. Um, secondly, the racing industry is is very transient with part time employees who have to supplement their income. With either uh, you know other jobs or or um, you know being a mother or a father or also being a uni student, so um, there, there's one aspect that you know people in in that type of employment have to uh, typically work before their other job much of the time, and and the third part of it is uh, racing being seven days a week a, a lot of the time um, physically to get all the work done uh, before they have to put horses on the flight to travel to a race meeting, say at Cessnock or Newcastle or Nowra or Bathurst, um, mm. you know, that all has to be done beforehand before uh, they travel a number of hours sometimes to, to go to a race meeting. Fourthly, um, and look, we're, we're quite lucky and we're in 
we're in that we're a bit more flexible at the club, but just the maintenance on the actual track and grounds has to happen for for our staff to get on and uh, um, repair and prepare the track for the next day. That normally has to happen sort of you know within normal work hours from uh, eight till till four or five for those guys. So mm. you know there's a constant process of um, um, maintenance and then getting ready for a race day like tomorrow. It really is a, a 24-hour operation. Well, it is because, mm. you know, quite often, uh, you know, if I'm still there at, at um, half past six or so at night, the, the track manager's still back in and checking on um, irrigation lines and so on and seeing that things aren't left on overnight and <laughs> there's no massive puddle formed in the middle of a track that we're going to uh, hit trouble with um, on the following day. So... You and know, we do laugh about that, but that, I mean that is that is a, a big safety issue. You know, if you have yeah. those type of things go wrong, and you have you know young horses or something out there, it, it does become an, a big issue. It, it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, my track manager, uh, two of my staff were at a, a race course managers conference yesterday at Dubbo, and mm-hmm. and just uh, um, you know relate a story of a country race meeting last week where um, that exactly did happen and. The first two races were run with, uh, you know, a, a patch of wet ground for 100 metres, which horses skidded on, and unfortunately mm. the meeting couldn't proceed because wow. there was uh, there was a safety issue. So, mm. you know, it, it really is an incumbent as part of his job to, to make sure that those safety aspects are um, accounted for uh, before, before the race day. And, uh, you know, at the moment there's a lot of you know really drought stricken tracks around new south wales and uh mm. you know they seem to attract kangaroos if there is a bit of pick around so it absolutely um, would a, and yeah you don't you don't want that in the middle of a race no like, no well, there's, there's there's one country meeting at the moment a country race course where uh, it, it's someone's job to chase the roos off between <laughs> races so i have seen seen them join in a race uh, <laughs> from time to time but, and and um, uh yeah how do they go no no well, <laughs> They, would you put it? Would you put a bet on them? No, 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 no not at all. Um, well, I tell you what, you would. Get out alive. <laughs> you would put a bet on uh, some of our Hawkesbury trainers. We've had, had a lot of success here this year. I know you've got uh, Brad Whitup, who's just marked fifty-one wins in his first full year of training. You've got Scott Scott Singleton, who's just rounded off the season at Newcastle there with thirty-three wins. Uh, Gary White's just had his most successful season since two thousand and I believe there's. Well over, is this this right? There's well over a hundred winners trained at the Hawkesbury track since January one this year. Is that does that sound about right? Yeah, to you? That, that that is correct, and uh, you know that that's a good result for the for the club, and and particularly for someone like uh, Brad Whitup, who, as you say, has just ticked over a year training. Um, you know, to have fifty odd wins in a in a year or one a week is is good going in anyone's language uh, for the amount of horses that he's got. So. Uh, he's got a very good setup there. He's uh, he's got good stables. Um, Scott Singleton, really good supporter of the club, um, but he's prepared to uh, to travel. And and Gary White's been, uh, you know, a local uh, stalwart and probably a leading trainer here for for a number of years. And he's having a very good season. So um, what we want to do is to continue that momentum by mm. pro- providing the facilities uh, such as a poly track and then. Um, you know, improving on our existing infrastructure, stables, um, tracks, so that, you know, these people who are investing money into the economy and into the industry, um, you know, can see can see the returns for it and that helps their business and, and it, helps the, uh, it helps the region. Um, 
And does success like that translate in turn? I know that you're, you're sort of talking about supporting those who are at the track, but does their success then reflect on the club itself? Well, I think so. And, and you know, we, we, want to, we want to get to a, a point where we can be seen to be um, a very viable alternative to Rose Hill and Randwick or Warwick Farm um, out near Liverpool as a, uh, as a training alternative and, and also because we've got the land here that we can do that. Um, How big is the site? It's, it's over 200 acres. So, you know, part of that is crown land and part of that is, is privately owned by the race club itself so for example our motel um, is is on land that's owned by the race club but the majority of the race course and some of the land around the race course uh, training tracks and so on is crown land but you know to answer your question Christina yes yes of of course it does um, reflect on the success of the club and 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 also it helps you know Get the the name of the race club out, not only as a uh, uh, as a racing venue, but as a, a viable um, training venue for for those who want to come out and invest in the club. And, and our job is to continue to try and upgrade our facilities, being being quite a, an old club in terms of its history, as we spoke about earlier. But um, in terms of its its current infrastructure too, I think you know our our aim is to continually try and put back into the club uh, to, to improve. So, it, you know, it becomes not just a good racing centre, but it, as, as you said, a good, um, you know, centre for the region as well. Mm, for the community. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, so just on a, on a more um, current situation, I guess, state government's just announced its intention to provide $500,000 for the richest dog race in the world, um, the Million Dollar Chase, one leg of which I believe will be held in Richmond. Um, now, there's the Provincial Championship Series that, that Hawkesbury hosts one leg of. Um, do you think there's more you believe that government could do, though, to support New South Wales Provincial Thoroughbred Racing Clubs? Well, look, the government has been very uh, proactive in, in, in the last couple of years in uh, introducing what's been called tax parity to New South Wales, which has allowed us to uh, increase prize money or racing New South Wales who's our regulatory body to to increase prize money and that's flowed down through the clubs so to the extent that um, basically you know in in the last few years our prize money has has leapt from twenty two thousand dollars for a um, standard Thursday race to thirty five thousand from the start of next month so wow um, the idea of that is is you know and the distribution is to is to help owners and trainers uh, with their cash flow and defray their costs because it is very competitive. But look, I, I think the New South Wales, um, the government has been very supportive of provincial clubs uh, and the industry as a whole. And, uh, you know, we're, we're lucky here that um, Dominic Perrottet is a treasurer being in our, uh, as our local member is also um, uh, very close to the action in terms of, uh, you know, how viable racing is to the economy and, what are the benefits, uh, you know, in terms of um, uh, wagering and, and taxation that the government can put into other um, funding of facilities that are beneficial to the community mm. that, that come out of racing? So, well, you can't get closer than the treasurer, I guess. No, he's, no, he's, so he's the guy that he's, holds he's, the money. He's bags. a good man to have on your side. <laughs> yeah, his, his office is uh, very close to the track. So, <laughs> um, no, he's been over a few times, and and look, he um, he's he's got a massive job to do, but. 
Uh, I think that in terms of, of what the government has done for racing in, in general in New South Wales, um, you know, and, and we've had to play catch up with Victoria for many years. We're, we're getting now to the point where uh, it, it's it's very um, lucrative to, to have things like half a million dollar races for, for uh, greyhounds and so on, um, you know, when that industry was really under pressure not so long ago. But um, look... You know, racing will always attract its share of criticism from from people, but they must also remember that you know a lot of the funding that um, or economic benefits that are derived from racing are benefits that uh, you know that the community um, gains from as well in terms of uh, infrastructure, you know, schools, hospitals, and roads. Mm, absolutely. So the next meeting for the club is actually tomorrow which is, is, I believe, your members' luncheon day. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. What's that all about? Well, look, you know, we have a, um, a strong members' base and it's our way of, of I guess, rewarding them um, once or twice a year to uh, come to the club, bring some friends, have a race day out um, and, you know, enjoy our facilities. And I've got to say, I have have been to luncheons there before, and they are fantastic. The food is is terrific. So congratulations to those to the people who do that. I've got to say first of all. Yes, we've got a we've got a very good head chef, and he's got a good team around him. Mm. And uh, it is one thing that we do uh, well is is put on a good um, spread. It's a good spread. It is. So uh, look, to, tomorrow is part of your membership, twice a, a year, one in July and one in August. Um, just breaks it up a little bit to, to give them a choice. They come out and they um, basically have a have a day out um, in in our function centre, as opposed to uh, just being in the members area trying to find a winner. They get a free lunch pretty well, and um, you know we do a few promotions for them and a few giveaways, and uh, uh, it, it's a good day out. They they enjoy it. There's a members experience that a few of them can win to to be a pretend sponsor for a day. And um, and that type of thing just uh, you know just gives them something to uh, to look forward to as part of their membership renewal. Giving back to the members, yeah, yeah it sounds like fun much. actually, yeah. And have you got any tips for tomorrow? You can't give us anything. Nothing. Uh, look, um, I probably could. I should have. I should have asked for a few before we started. <laughs> yeah, you, you got me on the hop here because uh, it's always a little bit. Um, it's a little bit dangerous uh, getting them the day before. Yeah, but um, the, the best tip is be good to your mother. Yes, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, exactly. But, uh, but what can people expect then from a typical race day? I mean, you know, when when you're in a typical race environment you know you're going to go out to the races i'm going to go see what this is all about what can what can people expect on a typical race day at hawkesbury oh look i think um on a typical race day we they're mostly midweek so mid midweeks are difficult in terms of the it's the real sort of diehard punter gets there midweek now you know people are time poor and to uh to really give up a couple of hours in your afternoon on a thursday or a tuesday is is difficult um, so what we what we try and do is is focus a lot on um, you know either corporates coming to to enter, entertain some client, clients or uh, our charities that we um, partner with who come and use the day as a fundraising day. So if you're at either of those days, Christina, you you would expect to uh, you know to get there at midday, um, have a, have an introduction, sit at a um, you know a really well um, decorated function room enjoy that um good buffet lunch that you spoke about very, very try good. and back a few winners yeah. if you're at a 
charity, you would have a, an MC there who would be, uh, you know, spruiking some auction item prizes and selling your raffle tickets and, and so on. So, uh, you know, some of our, our charities that, that we've helped out over the years uh, locally, like um, uh, Pink Fins is one that we work very closely with. Uh, we're doing a Hawkesbury Liquor Accord day on the 23rd for a local um, drug and alcohol uh, re- rehabilitation centre, 180 um, BC, which is, is mm. close by. Um, we've got... We've worked with uh, Youth Off the Streets before, Hawkesbury Living, Cancer Trust. So, um, you know, they're good days and, and hopefully you, uh, you're you sort of uh, wandering out with a bit more in your pocket than you started and um, maybe it's the It's a hard prize. thing to do. It's, it's, I've got to be said, I, I'm not very good at that, it's got to be said. Um, so what's on the agenda at the club further into the future beyond sort of tomorrow? How many race meetings have you got? Mm. Got yeah, left for this look, year. it's it's a good time of the year because uh, you know after after August I suppose um, we get into our our spring and warmer months and we've got a Saturday on the first of uh, of, of uh, September actually which is our spring Saturday so where we can try and promote um, a little bit more for families and and community to get involved is our weekend race meetings of which we have about eight uh, three Saturdays and five Sundays mm-hmm. um, and look they're they're a little bit different in terms of your Thursdays, whereas we can actually cater with some pony rides or a um, face ponies or balloonists for, for families and open up the gate to a gold coin donation for a few of our charities, um, have a band, um, have some entertainment on course as well as watching the eight races. So we, we've got a few of those coming up um, September, October. There's some weekend race meetings. Um, November is our Ladies' Day, which is very popular in the region. It's sort of been to that one as well. Yeah, m- more absolutely. More like a half day off for a lot of it, ladies. It really, it really <laughs> is. And then you have the the fashions on the field at yes, that and everything, which yeah. is highly competitive. I've got to say, it sure is. There I, are a lot of heats last last yeah. year in in the two categories that that are held. And it is. And, and geez, I tell you what, some of the outfits are fantastic. They are, and, and they come from everywhere. They, they seem do. to find yeah, us. So yeah. you know, it says something that we um, the prizes must be worth it. And and you know, we're lucky to have good supporters locally and and um, who help us out with that. But uh, you know, like apart from apart from the racing, which goes into November, and then we've got two Sundays in December, which are traditional Christmas party days and and mm. very good days and a good vibe. Uh, you know, we've we've got I think I mentioned before pink fins on the. 27th of September for one of their days. Um, you know, their two big um, functions they do are a race day and a ball, and their race day is in September. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a good vibe because the sort of winter's over, people are looking forward to uh, spring racing and then, you know, summer and the end of the year and all the, all the, and, um, the and the holidays. Season, yeah, the hol- that's holidays. right. So, you know, this comes into an exciting time for the club. Uh, from a, a function and, and racing perspective, um, but also uh, just having met this morning with some planners that we've got going, you know, we're doing some office uh, refurbishments as well and some facility refurbish, refurbishments to the jockey's room and some administration areas for our officials. So um, that's also a project that we've got going. And then in the new year, we're looking to uh, upgrade some of our, our members' areas. So Wow, sounds like you've got a happening. lot on your plate. Yeah, it's a bit Busy happening. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit happening. Well, listen, Greg, thanks very much for coming in today. That's unfortunately all we've got time for. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you can follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe free on iTunes. 
uh, to keep up with everything happening in Hawkesbury. I'm Christina Pollard. Greg, thank you for coming in. Thank you. You put me on the spot, but I did find race eight number six tomorrow. Um, oh, fantastic. Race eight number six. Who who are we talking about some, there? Something late in the day, uh, if it's going to be um, going around. Classic thoughts for uh, Peter and Paul Snowden. And, uh, the, and Karen yep. McAvoy, who's uh, oh, and Karen, fantastic. Jockeys. Oh, okay. Well, listen, I'll uh, I'll I'll go out and I'll have a bet on that. And if I if I turn into a millionaire, I've got you to thank. Yeah, and, and if you don't, uh, if, if you I don't, I'll be come knocking at your door. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, thanks so much for joining us today. Really thank, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me, Christina, and good to chat. I'm Christina Pollard, and thank you for joining us today. We'll talk to you next time.